I'm really excited about today, guys. I'm getting to preach on one of my favorite people in the Bible. Hands down, one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite men. He only has a little bit of scripture to his name. He only has about three chapters running in two parallel books. And last week, it was so funny. Tanya made a joke saying that she was going to preach on this person. So my heart actually skipped a beat a little bit. When we first earmarked this series, People of Purpose series, I was like, I'm preaching on King Jehoshaphat. We're doing King Jehoshaphat. There's no ifs or buts about it. He's my person. I'm doing him, even though I still can't say his name correctly. I think, is it Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat? Jehoshaphat? I will probably get that wrong. So anyways, today we are continuing our series. It's called People of Purpose, for those who don't know. We were like, God, what are you saying in this season? What do you want us, um, what, do you, what do you have for us? What do you want us to do? You know, what's action for us right now? You know, where are we heading as a church? And we really felt like the Lord was saying, like, study people in the Bible. Study people that have had encounters with me. Study people that know their identity in me and study people that um, have been commissioned by me and are living by my spirit. And so we're looking at a whole bunch of different people. And, and last week, Tanya shared about Ezra and it was really awesome. Who enjoyed last week? It was really good. Who here can tell me the main point or the heart of Tanya's message? Anyone but Tanya. Orion, what was it? Get into the Bible. That is correct. Does anyone else have anything else? No, that was it. Get into the... Sal? That's awesome. Sal said, for those who couldn't hear, God's word is powerful and active. And Ezra, when he read the word of God, was brought to his knees. That's really awesome. So yeah, last week was really great. And it actually really encouraged me to read my Bible this week, which was really good. So for those of you who don't know, Jehoshaphat, he was the king of Judah. He was part of the uh, Davidic line, or so the line of David. I don't know how far down the line he was. I can't remember exactly, but he was great, great, great grandson or whatever of David, King David. And so Jehoshaphat, he is king during a pretty troubling time for the nation of Israel. It actually was a time, uh, as you notice, I said he was a king of Judah. It was actually a time where the kingdom of Israel, which David was the king of, and then Solomon was the king of, was actually split. And so you had the north and the southern kingdoms. There was the kingdom of Israel, and there was also the kingdom of Judah. And so the books of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles are almost identical, and they almost run parallel verse for verse. But there are a couple of differences. You see, in the book of First and Second Kings, um, the the writer really focuses on the north, which is the kingdom of Israel. And so the kingdom of Israel during this time is they're very wayward from the Lord. It changes from king to king. But most of the kings throughout the book of First and Second Kings are actually kings that do not obey the Lord and they worship other gods. And then in the book of Chronicles, um, the writer mainly focuses on the kings of the southern kingdom, which is the kings of Judah. And so we have Jehoshaphat here, one of the sons of David. He's part of the Davidic line. Um, he's part of the line that gets you to the Messiah in Christ. And Jehoshaphat is a very rare king in the time that is going on. You see, around him, his father before him, his son after him, they were both men who at times obeyed God. They were both men at times who followed the law of the Lord, but they were also men who did not follow the Lord at the same time at different periods of their life, especially his son. I want to start us off by reading a little bit about Jehoshaphat's dad. So if you grow up your Bibles, if you want to turn to, we're going to go to Second Chronicles and we're going to look at chapter 16. In reading Jehoshaphat's story, there were three 
really main things that pointed out to me that I felt like the Lord was really wanting to highlight to us today and were actual really, really important keys um, for us today. And and I'm going to just name these three keys. They're so obvious. It it sticks out like a three-legged dog. The first one was inheritance. Inheritance is a really big part of Jehoshaphat's story. The second one was choice. As we look through the story of Jehoshaphat, there are multiple points in his story where he has a choice to make. And the third point that really stood out to me was action. Jehoshaphat is a man of action. He's a man who follows the will of the Lord, but he is also a man who doesn't just follow it verbally, he follows it with action. And so these are the three points that I'm going to be looking at today. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. And I just want to kind of like, I'm not going to read it verse by verse, but I just want to kind of talk about his dad. Because we're talk, when we're talking about inheritance, inheritance is something that we receive from people who have come before us. And so the inheritance that Jehoshaphat's father received was an inheritance of a kingdom that didn't always, always follow the Lord. It was an inheritance of a kingdom that had been wayward from the Lord, but he had brought it back. And you see here, we're going to read a little bit of the story. Jehoshaphat's dad is called King Asa or Asa or Asa. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. But I'm going to read here from verse 1. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Bahasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might let none go out or come in to the king, Asa, the king of Judah. Then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord, of the king's house, and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and I, as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Come, break your treaty with the king of Israel so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad heeded King Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. They attacked all the storage cities of Naphtali. Now it happened when Basha heard that he stopped rebuilding Ramah and ceased his work. Then King Asa took all of Judah and they carried away the stones and the timber of Ramah which Basha had used for the building. With them, he built Geba and Mizpah. And I'm not going to read the rest, but it goes on to pretty much to summarize it in my own words. It goes on, um, there's a prophet that comes out. This prophet is called Hanani. He comes out and he rebukes King Asa for making a treaty with a king from another country, a king who worships different gods. And he rebukes him and he says to him, you have not relied on the Lord to deliver them from your hands, for you relied on yourself. That's Nathan version, summarized, because there's a lot of different words in there. So here we have Asa, who has gone out on his own hand. He's gone out in his own strength, and he's made a decision on his own. That wasn't the Lord's decision. He's made a treaty with a king from another land who doesn't believe and follow the Lord like the, the people from Judah do. And in that time, that was the most common thing that would happen for the people of Israel, for the people of Judah. They would see victory and then they would come under attack and they would not go to the Lord, but they would rely on their own strength. They would rely on their own strength and then they wouldn't see victory because they relied on their own strength. And actually God rebuked him through the prophet and they didn't see victory. And so you see, this is the inheritance that Jehoshaphat is receiving from his father. Jehoshaphat is a man who's part of a line of kings who always tend to see partial victory. But there comes a point in in the king's journey where they choose to not actually go back to the Lord when they know that the Lord has 
you know, it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope in a future. And, and so these kings have seen the Lord's hand at work, yet they don't always go back to him and they go out on their own strength. And so you see Jehoshaphat grows up in a culture where he learns from his father, the man who was giving him an inheritance. He learns from his father, oh, you know, my dad follows God sometimes. You know, he, oh, when he went to that war, he followed God. But then when this was happening, he didn't follow God. So maybe that's okay that I don't follow God sometimes. Do you see like the picture that's being painted here? The picture that there's complacency within the rulers of the kingdom of Judea. And it got me thinking, what about us? You know, what kind of inheritances do we receive? You know, at this point in time, Jesus had not yet died on the cross and the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out for all men. But we have that. So what kind of inheritance are we receiving? You know, obviously we receive inheritances from our physical parents. You know, I, I think I get my good looks from my mum. I don't get my brown skin from my mum, but I get that from my dad. You know, we, we receive parts of our parents physically, but we also receive parts of our parents in terms of behavior, in terms of, you know, spirituality. We learn from our parents. You know, I remember when I was a child, I grew up being a pastor's kid. Mum was a pastor. And um, I grew up, you know, homeschooled um, as a young age. And I remember I would be dragged, not dragged, well, willingly, I would willingly go, but I would be dragged to conference after conference and worship night and this and that. And I used to always remember, it was back when my sister and I were a lot younger, we would, we would come with our little games as these kids are now, and we'd have our little books or whatever we would be doing. And um, we would always just sit down in the chairs, or we'd sit under the seats and just play and, you know, do our own thing. But there were, as I got older, on the odd occasion, you know, I actually, it was so funny. I used to watch my mum and I would see what she would do and then I would begin to copy what she was doing. And I remember there was this one conference that we were at and it was, I probably was like six or seven and it was a nighttime conference. And I remember, I remember um, seeing my mum, seeing mum go up to the front and it was like, it wasn't like an altar call, but it was just like this moment where everyone kind of just went to the front, you know, the adults were all crying and like they were encountering God. And I remember thinking to myself like, oh, that's kind of funny. Like, you know, as, as a kid, when you see people cry, you automatically assume that it's bad. And I remember think, like, and I remember learning as I grew older that, oh, when mum cries, usually in church, like it's not always a bad thing. That must mean that like God really loves her and she's really feeling God's love. And I remember there was this one night, as I was saying, when mum went up the front and it was, um, it was this conference and they were doing something up the front and I wasn't really aware of it. I remember sitting there and I was just talking to God and I was like, oh, look, mummy's crying, God. And he's like, yeah, because she loves me so much and, and she's so special to me. And, you know, she, she's experiencing my love for her right now. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's really cool. And then the Lord told, like the Lord spoke to me in this moment. and He said, do you want to experience what she's experiencing? And I was like, oh yeah, why not? And in that moment, there was, a, there was this, kind of, um, this kind of heat that just came over my body. And I just felt so warm and so much love from the Lord. And I remember, I, I actually don't think my sister remembers this, but I, I actually started crying a little bit too. And I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. Cause you know, it was, it was one of the first times that I like kind of encountered God and, you know, I was crying because of the, the presence of God that was on me. But it got me thinking like just this week, as I was reflecting, preparing for today, I received an inheritance from my mum in that moment. 
You know, and I've, I received an inheritance from my mum growing up, seeing her heart for the Lord, which now puts me in this position here, hungering after the Lord myself. You know, it, it got me thinking, what inheritances do we receive from our parents? And then I thought, what inheritances do we receive from the Lord? You know, because now we're in a position where Jesus has died on the cross. We have been forgiven for our sins. We have accepted him as our Lord and Savior. And it says in the Gospels that the Holy Spirit has been poured out for all men so that we can have a personal relationship with Christ. And, it, and, and you know, you all will know the verse, but it says in, in Romans chapter 8, and we just flick there so I quote it correctly, but it says in Romans 8, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. But we have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That's our inheritance, guys. The spirit of adoption. We are children of God, just like Jesus. Just like Jesus was when he walked the earth, son of man, son of the Lord. We are children of God. What's our inheritance? What's our inheritance? And then as we continue to look at Jehoshaphat's story, it's broken up into two main parts. Two main parts. And I'm going to read one part of it, but I'm not going to read the first bit, but I'm just going to kind of explain what happens. So Jehoshaphat becomes king. He, his father has passed away. Jehoshaphat is 35 years old when he becomes king. He ends up ruling as king for 25 years over Israel. But he's 35 years old when he begins his rule, sorry, as king of Judah. And Jehoshaphat's a man who seeks after the Lord. It says in verse 3 of chapter 17, Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals. That was one of the most profound verses for me when I thought about inheritance. You see, because something that his, his own father lacked, his own father lacked the understanding of the inheritance that he received. But Jehoshaphat walked with the Lord because he walked in the former ways of his father, David. He received the inheritance of David. He received the fact that, you know, what does it say about David? He was a man after God's own heart. And Jehoshaphat, many years later, would never have met the guy, wouldn't know his great-great-grandfather or whatever he was, but he's walking in the inheritance of a man who was after God's own heart. He found favor in God's eyes because he walked with the Lord. It goes on to kind of tell of the victories of Jehoshaphat. As we look further down in chapter 17, it's talking about a man who is revered and actually feared because of his fear of the Lord. It says later on that the surrounding nations around Jehoshaphat, like the Philistines um, and some other different nations, they, because of the fear of the Lord that Jehoshaphat had, they actually began to fear the Lord too. And they actually came under the rule of him as king because of his fear of the Lord. And then it goes on to say in chapter 18, it, Jehoshaphat's talk, it, it's talking about Jehoshaphat's alliance with the king Ahab. Now Ahab, he was the king of Israel. So remember how I said there were two, the nation of Israel, which was one, was split, and there was now the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. King Ahab was the king of Israel. And he was a king who sometimes walked with the Lord. And he sometimes walked in the will of the Lord. Not always. And we're going to see that a little bit here. It's quite a long story, but it, what the, the gist of it is, Jehoshaphat goes to Ahab to make an alliance with Ahab. 
And some years went between their visits and different things like that. And Ahab was a really successful king, as was Jehoshaphat. But what happens was, Jehoshaphat goes to Ahab because there are countries that are wanting to war against Ahab. So Jehoshaphat, in unity, goes to Ahab and he begins to talk to him and he actually, he implores him to come to battle with him. So Jehoshaphat comes to King Ahab, he implores him to come to battle with him. But Jehoshaphat's, along with his in question of coming to battle, he also says to Ahab, but I want you to go and ask your prophets, go ask the prophets around you, is this the will of the Lord for you? So Ahab goes to his prophets, his prophets say, yes, this is the will of the Lord. And, and long story short, they go to battle. Now, they go to battle and they're out in the battlefield, but as they are going, and this is actually something really cool that I felt like the Lord really showed me, was they go to battle. And usually when you go to battle, everyone knows who the king is, right? Everyone knows who's in charge of the army. You know, when you think about like all the olden movies, like I was thinking about the movie Robin Hood and, and not like the new version of Robin Hood. Who here has seen like the, the animal version of Robin Hood where there's like the foxes and the, yeah, the Disney, ver- it's a Disney version. Yeah, it is a Disney. How good is Disney? The Disney version of Robin Hood, love it. It's such an awesome, it was one of my favorite movies growing up. And I was thinking about this movie and I was thinking about how whenever the king, Prince John was in charge, and he's not, a good, he's not a good prince. You know, he, he takes from the poor to give to the rich. It's really twisted, really bad. But I got thinking, like, everywhere Prince John went, you knew where Prince John was because he had an entourage, because he dressed a certain way, you know, because he was carried by those rhinoceroses in his, like, little tent that was lifted off the ground and the red carpet was always rolled out in front of him. You knew who the prince was. He owned it. And what's interesting about this story as Ahab and Jehoshaphat go to battle is Jehoshaphat dresses like the king. Jehoshaphat wears his king's armor. He has his king's sword. You know, he wears his shield. He has his entourage. Everybody knows he's the king. But Ahab, on the other hand, he puts on sackcloths. He puts on regular armor and he clothes himself in an identity that isn't his. He clothes himself in clothes that he's probably never worn in his life because he's afraid that in battle that he's going to get killed. That's why he did it. He was afraid because he didn't believe that the Lord would deliver him like the, like the prophet said that the Lord would deliver him. He didn't believe that the Lord would deliver him. And so he took matters into his own hand. He dressed himself like an average regular Joe, just a regular soldier, and he went into battle. And what happens in the story is Jehoshaphat is battling, he's fighting, everyone's fighting. They see Jehoshaphat, they're like, that's the king, let's go kill the king. And Jehoshaphat, in that moment, he turns his affection to the Lord and he cries out to God asking him to deliver him from the people. And guess what happens? You would never believe what happens. He's delivered from the people. So Jehoshaphat owns his position, owns his identity. The attack comes. He cries out to God, God, deliver me from the the evil one. He gets delivered. Do you want to know the ironic part of the story? 
It says, it, it goes on to say later on that day that um, Ahab was fighting and there was an arrow, a random arrow that was shot because he, you know, he's just a random soldier in the field. He's not the king. There's a random arrow that's shot out into the air. It flies in the air. It pierces him through his armor and he has to be removed from the battle. And later on that day, he dies. I, I actually laughed a little bit when I read that because I was like, huh, how funny is that? That he was so concerned with dying that he took matters into his own hands, dressed himself as a regular person, randomly gets shot by an arrow. Doesn't get, it, it, doesn't, it, says, it, it says he got shot by a random arrow. It pierced his armor. And later on that day, after the battle, he's laying in his chariot and he dies. Later on that day, he's laying in his chariot and he's being shot by an arrow that he thought he could dodge. Whereas Jehoshaphat, on the other hand, he's like, come at me, I'm the king, I've got God. Do you see the choice that Jehoshaphat made in that moment? Because he knows who he is, he's the king. He knows whose he is, he's a son of God, he is one of the son, he is the son of David. He can stand firm on the promise that like, oh no, if I own who I am, I can trust in God that he will deliver me in all circumstances. What does it go on to say in Romans 8, 16? The next verse from Romans 8, 15. It says, it goes on to say, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's our inheritance. That's the position that we put ourselves in. His spirit, his Holy Spirit inside of us bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. Just like Jehoshaphat in that moment. There are points in our life where we have an opportunity to choose one way or another. You know, are we, we going to choose to be like Ahab? And are we, we going to choose to, in a moment, be like, oh, I know I'm a child of God. I know, I know because his spirit's inside of me. I know I'm a child of God. But uh, you know what? I might just dress myself like an orphan, like someone who doesn't have parents. Even though I'm a child of God, I might just dress myself like that because I reckon I can dodge what's coming at me if that's the case. Or are we going to be like Ahab, who on the other hand, stands there. Now, I'm not sure if he stood there and said like, come at me, I'm the king. But in my mind, he, he's standing there in confidence knowing that he's a child of God. What is our choice going to be? What are we going to choose to do with our inheritance? What are we going to choose to do with what we have received? Not just from our physical parents, but from our spiritual father, God, you know? What are we going to choose to do? The last part that I just I, I want to look at, because this is probably my, honestly, this is, this is why I love Jehoshaphat. This is, this is why I love this man dearly. We have a really great relationship. Um, we do, because I read about him all the time. So he blesses me a lot. He, you, know, you know how they say iron sharpens iron? I always find when I read this story of Jehoshaphat, my iron is sharpened because of just the, just the way he is. If, we, if you flip over to chapter 20, and this is probably actually how people know King Jehoshaphat. It's this story. This is the story that he's famous for. Um. And we're going to read most of chapter 20. It says in verse 1, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. 
Then came, then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea from Syria. And they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is En Gedi. And verse 3, this is one of the verses that just gets me. And Jehoshaphat feared, he feared, but then he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Jehoshaphat feared, but, it's a big but there, but he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. How profound is that? You know, because as children of God, we can still experience things that aren't of God. And we know fear isn't of God, right? I love that they actually tell us that Jehoshaphat feared because it makes him real. It makes it real for us. It makes it applicable for us because, you know, there are times like, you know, I experience fear. We experience fear. We live in a broken world where fear is existent and, and we experience fear. But it's about our choice. It's about our action of what we're going to do from that position. What's my action going to be out of fear? Am I going to be like Ahab? Or am I going to be like Jehoshaphat? It goes on to say in verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? I'm going to read that again because that is... It's such a powerful statement that Jehoshaphat makes. In front of Judah, he makes this statement, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? This is the picture that I had when I was reading this this week and when I've read this previously. I imagine Jehoshaphat, gets up onto his podium, throne, whatever it is. He's in front of the kingdom of Judah and he stands there and he looks up at the Lord and he says, hey God, are you not this? Are you not that? Have you not done this? Have you not done that? Can anyone withstand you? Full of fervor, full of courage, full of faith, he challenges God in that moment. You notice that he's not saying like, oh God, you're amazing. Oh God, you're this. He's saying, God, are you not this? Did you not do this? Did you not do that? He is standing and he is not just challenging the Lord, but he's challenging the positioning of the people's hearts towards God because he's making them question who God is to them. Who is God to them? And he says it here. Are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? In your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? As you engage with those words, can you feel like the authority that he is speaking in those words? Can you feel the inheritance that he is walking in, that he's received to be able to proclaim those things? I don't imagine him to be a wimpy man who gets up and says, Hey God, are you not this? Are you not that? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like he's doing that to me. And, and over the next five to six verses or so, he goes on continuing to declare the things that the Lord has done. 
He was reminding, he's recalling the testimony of the things that the Lord has done. I want to shuffle ahead to verse 12, because this is the verse that is, it's the verse. It's the verse. It says, he's finishing off his statement um, from his last sentence in verse 11, but he says, oh God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. God, will you not judge them? Because we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. There have been times in my life where I've sat in in seasons and in, in positions where I'm like, God, what is going on? And you, you, you know, you find yourself like, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. And that's easier said than done. Like, honestly, let, let's be real. Like that is easier said than done. Even recently, I found myself in situations where I'm like, oh, like just the, you can't, like, you, you just don't have any answers. And you, you come to this point where you're before the Lord and it's actually a really vulnerable place to be in. When you think about it, it, Jehoshaphat, he's this successful king. He's this king who's seen victory in battles. He, he's seen victory in battles that he hasn't even fought because people have been so afraid of the way that he fears God. He is this mighty man who makes statements that says, are you not God in heaven? Are you not this? Are you not that? But he comes to this point. He is humbled before the Lord. He comes to this vulnerable point and he says, I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And the way the rest of the story plays out, it, it, it plays out how I'm sure you think it's going to play out if you don't know. A prophet stands up after Jehoshaphat says that, and he says, in Nathan's version, he says, because of your faith towards the Lord, the Lord will deliver you from evil, and you need to go do this and send out the worshipers, and the Lord will deliver them out of your hand and you will be free. And what happens is they wake up, Jehoshaphat sends out people worshiping the Lord. And as they sing praises, it says here um, in verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise his beauty of his holiness. As they went out before the opposition army, they were saying, praise the Lord, his mercies endure forever. And now when they began to sing to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. Now they went, when they began to sing and praise God, the Lord set ambushes against them, against the people that were against Judah and they were defeated. It goes on to say actually that it was like the Lord made them confused and they began to fight against one another. And the armies that were coming against Jehoshaphat turned on one another and they defeated each other. How profound is that? Jehoshaphat makes a statement. God, don't know what to do, but our eyes upon you. Moments later, the Lord speaks. Hey, Joe. Hey, Jeho. Jay, you know what's really annoying? Side note, total rabbit trail, but I'm just going to give it to you anyways. I spent probably like on Monday this week, I spent 45 minutes trying to come up with a nickname for Jehoshaphat. 
not even kidding. I, so serious. I full on was trying to come up with a nickname for Jehoshaphat because I didn't want to keep saying Jehoshaphat because it's a total mouthful and I couldn't come up with anything. The best thing that I got was J-Dog. But like, still, like that's just so normal. Anyways, side note, back to it. Jehoshaphat cries out to God. God answers. God gives him a plan. God speaks. Jehoshaphat moves in action, sends out worshipers. The armies are defeated. Judah wins. All hail the king. Like, end of story. But what does that mean for us? You see, as I mentioned in the beginning, there were three main points that I pulled out of this. The first one was inheritance. What are we receiving? The second one was choice. What are we doing with what we've received? What are we going to choose to do? And the third one is, what are we going to do about our choice? What's our action going to be off the back of our choice? You see, Jehoshaphat could have just said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. God spoke and he could have in that moment done nothing about it. Very easily could have done nothing about it, but he didn't. And so leaving you guys, just I, I want to leave you guys with this. Um, I, I want to leave you with the thought like, you know, what, are we, what am I receiving? What have I received in my life? What am I wanting to receive? What am I going to do about what I'm receiving? What are my choices going to be? And, and lastly, how am I going to act upon the choices that I've made? How am I going to act upon what the Lord is speaking in my life? How am I going to act upon, you know, what the people around me tell me to do? Because I too believe that every single person in this room can, can live a life like Jehoshaphat lived. Obviously not as kings and queens, but your sons and daughters of God. And I believe that if you, if you live with the purpose and if, you, and if you live knowing who you are and whose you are, if you live knowing what you've received, if you live knowing that you have a God who, no matter the circumstance, is faithful to deliver, imagine what kind of lives we would be living. Imagine the freedom and the breakthrough. Imagine the victories. Imagine the power of God at display in your lives. Imagine for the people that your neighbors, your friends, your family, your loved ones who don't know the Lord, but they see you walking with purpose. Imagine what could happen. Imagine what could happen. I get excited thinking about that. I really do. If you want to stand, I just want to pray for everyone. Who here wants to live with purpose like Jehoshaphat does? Sweet. Three people? Four people? Five people? Who here, who here wants to live a life driven by the power of the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you, but I do. My heart burns to live my life as, as a man of purpose, as a man after God's own heart. Now, that, should be, that should be our desire. That should be the thing that we long for the most. So I just want to pray for people this morning who, who want to receive that. So just with everyone standing, if you, if you want to just close your eyes and put your hands out actually. Because I, I feel like for some of you, this may be a moment where you don't really know what you've received from the Lord before. Maybe you aren't like fully aware of your inheritance. Maybe you're in a position where you don't know what to do, but you have a moment to put your eyes on God. The reason why I'm getting you to put your hands out is, is because it's a position to receive. It's a position also though to be open-handed before the Lord. 
And it's a position that most people, when they don't know what's going on, they're like, oh, I don't know. And they put their hands like this. And so just with, with your eyes closed, with your hands out, just before the Lord, I'm just going to pray. But before I pray, I, I just want to say this. If you're in a position where you, you're, you feel like your heart's not right before the Lord, or, or you feel like maybe you've been like one of the kings that I was talking about that you know follows God sometimes or um, but doesn't follow God all the time. Or maybe you find yourself in a position where you don't feel fully surrendered or, or you feel like you're of lack. I just want to let you know that you have a moment right now where you can meet your Savior. You have a moment right now where Jesus is standing in front of you, inviting you to invite Him. And so as I just pray, if that's you and, and you want to make a decision in your heart today to you know, come back to the Lord or, or for whatever reason, I just encourage you to make that decision. So let me pray. Lord, I, I, I just, I thank you. God, I thank you for your goodness, for your love, for, for your mercy that endures forever. God, I thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Lord, I thank you that you are you are our deliverer. God, that in the presence of our enemies, Lord, that you deliver us from evil. And God, I just pray for the gift of faith to just fall upon people right now in this place. God, the, the gift of courage to fall upon people in this place. Lord, that they would receive a boost of their spirit, that they would know that they are sons and daughters of the King. Lord, that they would know that they are adopted into your family and that they are children of God. They are children of you. They are heirs to your throne. Lord, I, I, I just I thank you for this reality. And right now for the people, God, who are in situations where they just don't know what to do and they're finding it hard to put their eyes on you. Lord, I, I just pray for strength. I pray for endurance. Lord, I even, I even pray um, for just a peace to know that it, 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 even though it's hard to trust that they can actually turn their eyes towards you they can turn their eyes towards you God we love you we give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honour for all that you have done all that you are doing and all that you are going to do we praise your name and Lord we just we ask may you help us may you strengthen us to continue to live our lives as people of purpose, people driven by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen.